Hey all, and welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Harless. And I'm your other host, Natalie. This is the podcast dedicated to bringing you easy to grok recaps of the lore of Magic the Gathering. If you're new to magic lore and story, this is the best place to start. And welcome. If you've been following along for a while now, we'll provide some behind the scenes information along the way. Today, we are going to talk about episode three of Murders at Karlov Manor called Shadows of Regret, which was written by Sean and McGuire. Join us as we head into the multiverse. recap of what's happened so far in Murders at Karlov Manor, we are following our planeswalker friend Kaya as she is at this party happening in Karlov Manor, which is a brand new estate erected by Tessa Karlov, Kaya's friend, in the wake of the Phyrexian invasion. And it is just an ostentatiously over-the-top wealthy place, like the most ridiculous mansions of mansions that you can imagine. And Tessa Karlov is hosting a party and she has invited all of the guilds of Ravnica to come and, and enjoy a night of, of just appreciating each other's company. And during this party, Tessa is, is kind of honoring Kaya as much as she doesn't want to be honored. She's honoring Kaya as being the hero of the multiverse, yada, yada, yada. And last episode, we had there was a scream that had interrupted the party. And Kaya had raced off to investigate what this what this scream was all about somewhere in Karlov Manor. And it turns out that the guild leader of or the former guild leader of the Simic Combine, Zagana, had been murdered. And how she was murdered, who murdered her, what is a complete mystery. And so the agency and agency is spelled with a capital A. The agency, led by the Archon Ezram, kind of stepped in to help solve who might have done this during the party. And we were introduced last episode to a man named Alquist Proft. And Proft is a very self-assured individual (laughs) who is also extremely an extremely intelligent detective um, working for the agency. And he was able to determine that right under their noses, a Demir individual had entered the party disguised as a Slesnia. And this individual was Etrada. And it's quickly determined that Etrada snuck in to do, do her assassin thing um, as a because she's notorious for it. And they apprehended Etrada at the end of last episode. Um, and, you know, thought they had captured the murderer, you name it. But the agency does not get any credit for it. Unfortunately, all the credit went to the Azura Senate. Um, and so that's kind of where we left off last episode. And um, Harless will pick it up from here. So this episode picks up immediately after the ending of the last episode. And I love the opening line to today's story, which is, the party was pretty much over after that because there was just a murder. Like, of course, the party's over. I yeah, would someone, hope the someone has over. been murdered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Atrada, the Demir spy from last episode, is quickly removed from the manor by the Azorius mages. And remember, Azorius is white blue, but not before everyone at the party sees the commotion. 
And this leads to many members of Selesnia, that green and white guild that Atrada was wearing the colors of, approaching Taysa to frantically tell her that they had nothing to do with this, that they had been betrayed as much as anyone else. And it also, of course, leads to lots of speculation and gossip. And this quote from the story sums it up really well. Everyone wanted to know what had happened. Everyone wanted to know why a Demir assassin had led Taysa's pet planeswalker on a merry chase through what was supposed to be a celebration, dressed as a member of the Selesnia Conclave, no less, and into that ridiculous magic of crofts. Only a few members of the agency had seen it in action before, and while they were quietly smug about how elegantly he'd applied it to the task at hand, the remaining Azorius looked more annoyed than anything else. Kaya supposed that wasn't much of a surprise. Croft had been their asset before he chose to go off and ply his talents with the agency. And if there was one thing she knew about the guilds, it was that they didn't like losing resources, especially these days with everyone running close to the bone as it was. Eventually, Tessa is able to approach Kaya again, but she's looking worn now, leaning heavily on her cane. She lets Kaya know that she would have let her leave with the Trotta and the Azorius if she'd wanted to. And this is Kaya's reply. You can't hold me here without my consent. No, I suppose I never could, could I? Out of all of us, you remain the one who can just walk away anytime you want to. Tessa's expression sobered. Kaya managed not to flinch. Somehow, without coming anywhere close to mentioning them by name, Tessa had managed to invoke the shades of Jace and Vraska, the other two people who'd walked away from Ravnica. The two who hadn't come back. The two who never would. What was she doing? She didn't belong here anymore. She might have said as much, but Tessa looked directly at her, heartbreaking shadows in her eyes, and said, I'm grateful that you stayed. So there are two things that I want to point out about this passage. One is that Kaya is really struggling with the deaths of Jace and Vraska. So am I. Yeah, right. So am I. To be fully yes. honest, I am I am still struggling with that. And it just keeps coming up again and again. And two, Tessa is she's good. She switched tactics here with Kaya, whether out of sheer exhaustion, which I have a hard time believing since she's always on, or out of knowing just how to work Kaya. She switched to earnestness and kind of won Kaya over. So Kaya decides to stay. And before Tessa can vanish off to the whirlwind of the situation at hand, Kaya asks Tessa what she had been about to tell her before they were interrupted by the scream. But they're surrounded by people, and Tessa tells her that she'll call for Kaya soon to tell her what she had originally intended to share, but she can't tell her here. Like, she tells her, like, I want to tell you, I just can't tell you right now. So Kaya says she'll give Tessa three days to reach out before she comes looking for Tessa. And with that, we jump forward three days. And Kaya has been staying for the last three days in this rented room in Ravnica and has spent her days kind of roaming the streets. Okay, Natalie, my favorite line in this entire in today's story is coming up. Can you guess what it is? Is it about food, Harless? It is. It is about food. Okay, so Kaya describes walking around Ravnica as follows. During the day, she wandered the streets enjoying the familiar tastes of Ravnican street food and strong coffee laced with cream and lavender honey 
and listen to the people who didn't know her well enough to bite their tongues. I love when authors talk about the food on the planes in the multiverse. It adds so much to the world building, in my opinion. It really helps me get a sense of what smells come from the restaurants that line the streets that you're walking through and what flavors are common to the local cuisine. So I just love this. And also, who else wants a honey lavender latte after reading that? Because I know I do. <laughs> I I want to try this honey lavender for myself. And I, I love it when authors do this, too. And aside from the flavor, pun intended, we get from this passage, we also learn that Kaya is doing some some sleuthing of her own by eavesdropping on conversations to get a sense of what the citizens of Ravnica think might be be going on like what happened at Karlov Manor the rumors are in no short supply here not only are people gossiping about what could have led to a murder at Karlov Manor but they're also gossiping about the Phyrexian invasion and I'll quote from the story here after spending years safe in the knowledge that the average person didn't know what a planeswalker was and thus couldn't have opinions on them Kaya was now faced with a reality where everyone knew and almost everyone disproved. So on the morning of the third day, however, an agent from the agency comes to find her. And she's been expecting this. Like she's been sitting out in public, yes, to eavesdrop, but also because she's just been expecting someone to be looking for her. And so she kind of made herself easy to find. And this is no random agent. It is Kellen. And when Kaya asks why they sent the agent who had just been honored at a ceremony like three nights ago, why he was sent on an errand to like deliver a message, basically. He tells her that he actually asked to be the one to go see her, that he had sought her out specifically. You see, Kellen wants to know if she knows his father, who was also a planeswalker, and that he is still looking for her. Remember, Kellen has been looking for his dad ever since we met him on Eldraine. And now that he's armed with the information of who his father is, he still hasn't been able to locate him. And I wonder if that's why he joined a detective agency to begin with, to see if he could find any clues about Oko's whereabouts. Absolutely. It's a fair assumption. Like, keep in mind that Kellen isn't a planeswalker himself. He's just been using these omen paths to walk from plane to plane and sort of ends up wherever the omen path leads him. So even if he knew where his father was, it's going to be hard for him to get there since these omen paths are new and not all of them have been properly even discovered yet. Like it, like there's no map of the omen paths that exist right. yet where it's like, this leads to Eldraine right? or this, like, yeah. We're assuming that not all of them have been found, but at the same time, like they're so new. There's just, in my mind, there's just no way there's not way more of these than the two yeah. that Kellen has found so far, right? Right, right. I it just makes me think that if if someone right now in the multiverse was taking the initiative to be like I'm going to map these omen paths they would <laughs> they would they would create a map that would that would make a lot of money in the multiverse. Oh yeah, I think. definitely. Like this this would be an invention that I think a lot of people would use. Anyway, Amalia should rant. be doing that right from last season. Seriously. Our court- yeah, cartographer. Yeah. That would be so cool. I hope I Maybe hope that's what she Amalia does is that. doing. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I wonder what Amalia is doing too. We haven't heard yeah. about it. We're going to have to bub Roy Graham, the story lead, and ask him where Amalia is and all of this. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just makes me feel for Kellen, though. I mean, poor Kellen. I really hope he finds his father soon. I mean, how long it's we've gotten the sense that a lot of time has passed. He's like time passed in Lost Caverns of Ixalan since he left Eldraine. Mm -hmm. He had his whole adventure in Eldraine 
Uh, and then now he's been here in Ravnica for what seems like quite a bit. I mean, he seems to be pretty, you know, established in the agency at this point, to, enough to be honored by Tessa Karlov. So, right. I mean, and this whole time he's just been searching and searching and searching for his father and not finding anything. I, man, he's been through a lot. I hope he finds Oko soon. I know. I do too. So Kellen finds Kaya, gives the message, and much to Kaya's surprise, the reason the agency sent for Kaya was actually so that Ezrim could talk to her. Now, remember, Ezrim is the Archon, that imposing man riding on a mount and wearing a mask, which is very typical of Archons, um, which is what Ezrim is. And Kaya follows Kellen to the agency and then all the way up into Ezrim's office. And I'm going to read this next part because there's a lot of interesting information in it. Ezrim's office had been designed with his ever-present companion in mind. In addition to a massive desk and several traditional chairs for visitors, the back third or so of the space had been turned into something close to a stable, with straw on the floor under a heap of pillows that formed a sort of lounging chair. Not that Ezrim was currently lounging. The great Archon was sitting on the back of his steed, twisted to face the desk, sorting a pile of papers. Kaya realized with a small start that she didn't know whether Ravnican Archons were a single conjoined being or a pair of individuals who simply chose to never be apart for any reason. She had never seen Ezrim dismounted, nor any other Archon of Ravnica knocked from their partners in combat. If they were one creature, this office was a symbol of practical necessity, not one of consideration. So Archons in their mounts, are they one being or two? Some food for thought. That is, it's, this is making me think like this. <laughs> I really wonder now. I know. Archons are so interesting and like they're inherently mysterious. So like not a lot is known about them. And I, I think that's I'm, what makes them so intriguing. Yeah, I love the Archons. Yeah. I think they're really cool. But anyway, back to the story. Yep. So, yeah, back to the story. So as as hesitant as Kaya is to talk to Ezra, he surprisingly asks her to lead the investigation as to what happened at at, at Tesa Karlov's manor. Um, with Zagana, like lead the investigation to figure out what had happened. Which is very much not what I was expecting, by the way. But his reasoning for this is very sound. First of all, she's a known problem solver. Second, she's no longer a guild leader. And so she is a neutral party. Third, she has no beef with Demir or Semek, like no known grudges, no problems, no like old flame <laughs> or anything like that. She has absolutely no beef with Demir or Semek. And finally, Tessa herself had brought both the agency and Kaya to the party with the goal of bringing validity to both parties. So Tessa clearly trusts both parties. And he offers Kaya access to resources, to the agency staff. And he tells her that Croft is unlikely to just let this case go now that he's trying to untangle the puzzle of it all. So Kaya can have him too. But Kaya says, no, absolutely not. No. Ezra is clearly unprepared for this answer. And just responds with a, what? And Kaya says, I love how she says this next. Me Kaya too. says that no is a complete sentence, that she's done enough already, and that she won't help him with this. In fact, she's ready to get off of Ravnica entirely. And she turns around, Ghost walks through the door, and leaves. And then we switch from following Kaya to catch up with Proft, which is really cool because we haven't been from Proft's perspective yet, right? Like we've seen him work and this isn't, uh, this isn't his perspective necessarily. It's still like third person, but it is following him and his story for the first time. So I was really happy to see this. So 
Now, Prof, to remember, is that detective who sussed out that Atrada was probably the person who had killed Zagana and brought her to justice. And Proft is visiting the detained Demir spy, but first he has to get through just several layers of security with the Azorius Senate. Now, remember, Proft was one of the agents that left Azorius to follow Ezrim when Ezrim created the agency. And so the Azorius tend to treat all agency members like insufferable people who are just begging for access to their information. So eventually, though, they do let him see Atrada in her cell. And so Proft eventually does approach Atrada's cell and Atrada asks if Proft has come to gloat. But he tells her that despite gloating being the bumbat the soul consumes when it succeeds, which is a great line, he's here because he sees inconsistencies in what happened at Karlov Manor that night. Most worrisome is the fact that Etrada has a reputation for being incredible at what she does. Please, and this, and I'm going to read this from the story. Please, for the sake of my unsettled thoughts, will you tell me why you chose to kill such a prominent target in such a public way? not to mention the theatrics surrounding the body. You had plenty of time to commit the murder and make your escape, but you remained on the grounds even before the wards were raised to prevent your exit. That isn't the work of a professional. Why commit such a grievous crime in such a manner and not make your escape while you could? But Atrada tells him to ask his real question. And he goes on to say that he wants to know how she was able to defeat the Verity Circle at the party. Now, Verity Circles are what the guilds used to question suspects, or what the Azorius Senate used at the party at Karlov Manor to question every guest, including Atrada. But that isn't how Atrada was caught, remember? It seems like she must have managed to trick or confuse it somehow. And she responds to him, and she's, Atrada is just pure, like, sass. Just Oh, yeah, she's sassy. Yeah. She's definitely, yeah. And she says, oh, worried about losing one of your tools against the criminal underworld? And then she like mimes wiping a tear away. <laughs> like she's just, she's not here to like play along. I kind of really like Atrada like secretly. Yes. You know, like I, I know that she's like a murder suspect and we're not supposed to like her, but I kind of really like <laughs> I her. I do too. So then she follows it up with, however, would Ravnica survive without your little parlor tricks? And Prof does something here that is very smart. He just very candidly says, Please. And Atrada pauses when he does this. She's briefly taken aback by the sincerity in his tone. And he goes on to say, you've been caught. I'm not asking you to give away the secrets of your house. I'll have nothing to do with your trial or sentencing, but the city is already splintered enough. There's no trust lost between the individual guilds or between the guilds and the citizens. We need to know that the Verity Circles, that something in this city can be trusted. So right here, we switch back to follow Kaya once again, who has returned to her rented room. She's really struggling because she's home, but she feels isolated. She feels other. And remember, in Ravnica, to feel isolated like that is a really bad feeling. Like, you don't really belong anywhere if you don't belong with any of the guilds. It's got to feel so lonely. Yeah, it's honestly, it's really relatable. Like, how many of us have gone back to visit our hometowns or just been in our hometowns from earth or whatever and been like man I don't belong here this isn't this isn't where I should be I don't fit in I don't I don't have a place and so it's frankly it's heartbreaking because Kaya only left Ravnica to do her planeswalker duty and ended up being integral 
to saving the multiverse, right? But Ravnica only sees that she wasn't physically on Ravnica, on their plane during the invasion. And therefore, in their minds, she wasn't performing her duty to the plane. And that has to be really hard because we know that she was doing what she needed to do, but they just won't accept that. So outside of her door, a messenger arrives. He's from the manor, and he has come here to let Kaya know that Tessa requests her presence. He also hands her a note from Tessa, which she pockets before tipping the messenger and heading back inside to change. Once inside, she opens the letter, which says the following. It's time for the discussion we couldn't have during the gala. I'm so sorry it's taken this long. It's not safe for me to write anything down. Please come at once. Come alone. Thank you for staying. I know you did it for my sake more than Ravnica's, and I appreciate it more than you can know. Your friend, after everything, Tessa. Kaya makes her way to the manor and heads towards Tessa's private quarters, which is where she assumes Tessa will want to have a very private conversation. So Kaya is able to make her way through the manor without being stopped by ward or servant. And when she arrives at Tessa's rooms, the door is ajar. And I'm going to read this next part straight from the story because I don't want you to miss anything. The door to Tessa's private parlor stood slightly ajar. Kaya moved toward it, hesitating for an instant when she caught the scent of blood in the air. That hesitation was more than balanced by the speed with which she threw herself at the door and into the room beyond, where she stopped, clapping a hand over her mouth to contain the scream she could feel building in her chest, and simply stared. Tessa was there sprawled on the floor next to the desk where she received visitors. She had been waiting for Kaya. That much was clear. Her eyes were still open, staring blankly at the ceiling, and the shattered shaft of her walking stick protruded from her chest, slick with blood. More of that same blood stained her hands where she had tried to pull the makeshift spear out before she bled to death. Tessa was gone. What? Tessa? I, when I read this, I was, I, I put my hand over my mouth like Kaya. I was like, <gasps> and it was, it was a jaw dropping moment. Like Tessa, Tessa, like we yeah. had just really gotten to know this woman. Like we really, like for, for us in the podcast, like we hadn't explored Ravnica before, so we didn't have a chance to really know Tessa all that long, but Tessa had already been such a prominent figure <laughs> And she's gone. I am, I am so like devastated, so confused as to what happened and so like in disbelief. This was so unexpected. And I personally am also really heartbroken because Tessa is so full of life as a character. She is clever. She's capable. And as Kaya points out in the story, she is so alive. Death is not the end for the Orzov, remember, but this version of Tessa is gone and it's too much. I can't deal with it. I, uh, I don't even, I don't even want to go on, but there's more y'all. We're not done yet. So Kaya rushes to Tessa's body. And as she does this, something crunches under her foot. It's an elegant statue that had been knocked over during whatever altercation had taken place here. Kaya, not wanting this broken mess next to her friend's body begins to pick up the ceramic pieces. And that's when she notices a piece of paper. A piece of paper was buried among the mess. Kaya frowned, setting what she'd gathered aside, and she picked it up carefully, then froze again, her chest tightening 
as the world narrowed to a single point. She could hear her heart hammering in her ears, the rushing of her blood like the sound of a distant sea. And if it hadn't been for Tace's wards, she would have dropped straight through the floor, losing control of her phasing in the face of her panic. The writing was clearly Tessa's. Kaya knew the little smear at the bottom of each line. The script, however, the script was Phyrexian. Kaya breathed harder and harder, hand closing convulsively around the note and wrinkling it. She couldn't leave. Tessa was dead. Tessa might have been working with Phyrexia, and she couldn't leave. She had to go back to Ezram. She had to tell him she was in this after all. She always had been. And then we switch back to Atrada and Alquist Proft, and we get another surprise. So this episode is just like, boom, boom, boom. Tace is dead. Tace may have been working with Phyrexia. And then... I was like, so like, what? Oh my God. I, I Like what? just seeing the word Phyrexia in this story, like really did take me like, like a second because... Like not, not Phyrexia is gone because, you know, no, this is, this is... Tessa wrote in Phyrexian. Like, yeah. this is fresh like, writing Phyrexian from Tessa. script in Ravnica after the Phyrexian invasion. What is happening? How? Just how? Like, they, they vanished. They went away to the point where, like, the planeswalkers who had previously been connected to them were in this, like, weird stasis coma situation because they couldn't connect with them. So <clears> we assumed that they were completely gone. But maybe, and here we have some proof, that just maybe we were wrong. All right. So back with Atrada and Alquist Proft. Atrada tells Proft that she did not trick the Verity Circle, but that she also didn't kill Zagana. She tells Proft that she actually snuck into the party just to be the eyes for Demir. Like they just needed someone there, right? And that if she did kill Zagana, that she does not remember doing it. And then she says something here that really makes me believe her. Because remember, Atrada is nothing if not a very, very talented assassin. And she says, I didn't come here to kill anyone and I don't assassinate for free. So yeah, if she wasn't doing this for her guild and she wasn't getting paid, what motive does Atrada even have? And Proft also believes her. He wonders if it's possible that someone used mind control on her to kill Zagana on their behalf. And if that's the case, then Ravnican law is in Atrada's favor because Ravnica does not play with that. Ravnica does not let you mind control somebody and just get away with it. Remember, Jace is from Ravnica. Jace is like the king of mind control. And Jace very likely helped make these laws. Jace's abilities were so intense that it's very possible these laws exist just to contain Jace's mind. But, you know, Jace would never, right? We love Jace. Um, But someone else could have easily manipulated her. And she just straight up doesn't believe him at first. Because why would she? She's an assassin. Why would this agency detective from the Azorius Senate, who like like originated from the Azorius Senate, be helping her, a Demir spy, right? But he tells her that he will risk his name to clear hers. And so she agrees to help him. Alquist Proft then uses... His magic, remember, he has the ability to anything that's anything that he has ever seen, he can make reality. And so, gosh, such such a cool power. Um, So he uses this magic to open her cell door and says, only a quadro anarchic theory lock. They're getting sloppy. Then he looks to Atrada and says, you're a trained assassin. 
you can get out of here without being seen. And he tells her to meet at his house before he turns back and she melts into the shadows. I'll read the last bit of the story. Proft turned to go, fixing a look of irritation on his face. I was promised a prisoner, he said loudly, striding toward the door. Not an empty cell. The chaos that followed would allow them both to make their exits. And that's the end of the episode. So like right there at the end, like boom, 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 like all this crazy stuff just happened. So first yeah. of all, Kaya is- Tasa has gone. Tasa has gone. Tasa has gone. Tasa is gone. Tasa is dead. What? What? Ah, oh, that blew Tasa is dead. my little mind. I was just like, what? I had to read it like multiple times. And there's a, there's a piece of art in the story um, of Tasa Karlov on the ground next to this like broken with her staff statue, like oh, through her, her yeah yeah with was... her cane through her body with her eyes open and even in death Tessa she's exquisite is exquisite she's like she's like flawless yeah. there's not there's there's no blood splatters there's no there's nothing mm-hmm. and that's very Tessa where not a not a spot out of place in her outfit it is still immaculate and yet she's just lying on the floor of her study, just, just dead. Like, she's gone. Awful. awful. But also, Kaya is is in. She's down. She There is no yep. way Kaya... She's in this investigation yes, now. There is no way Kaya is going to turn away from solving yep. this now that one of her dear friends has, been, has fallen victim. Also, also, proof here, right? Proof that it wasn't Atrada. Because yes. how would Atrada have murdered Tessa, right? Right. Like the 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 murderer has struck again, and it wasn't Atrada who was you know locked away in the Azoria cells with Prof. Yeah, there, you're so, right. There's no way she could have gotten to Tessa while she is simultaneously being questioned by Alcus Prof. And even if, you know, I, like it seems like those timelines are happening very similarly. Yeah, um, it's almost in tandem. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't seem like Atrada like left the prison cell before this happened no taysa no. was already dead by the time yeah. Proft let atrada go exactly uh, so it's not atrada i i believe atrada at this point i do and, too because because what it what would be the motive that's that's really yeah it's it's really inquisitive of Proft to suddenly realize it's like hmm that doesn't add up yeah you know like it like it it was suspicious at the party and i think the instinct was correct you know last episode where this seems off but upon further evaluation, you know, that, that was a really keen observation for on Prof's part over this doesn't, there's no motive there. And so I, I believe, I really think that this, this episode illuminated that Etrada is not the murderer. She's not Etrata the one who. being a sloppy assassin is the equivalent of Tessa Karlov showing up in like a messy bun and leggings. It's just not going to yeah. happen. Yeah, it's just, it's just, there's no way. There's no way. And this was too, like, it was very ornately done. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, all of these, the, the both of these killings have been, like, really, like, like, really thought out very carefully, but not executed well. It's interesting because in this one, there was clearly some kind of altercation and the yeah. body was not, like, posed like it was with Zagana. Like Zagana's body was very clearly posed to showcase every single guild symbol. Yeah. On that yeah, like on that the, was that very artfully done. Like yeah. that was purposeful. And Tesa and... but Tesa being murdered with her own cane is like what is that? I wonder if there's like some poetry in that. Like what does that mean? Like was that mm-hmm. intentional, right? 
was it like shoving her weakness back at her kind of thing like that's yeah. crazy um and then someone holding a grudge against Tessa, i guess yeah and then the other thing that i found i mean uh, let's not not even to mention the phyrexians right like that's just bananas oh, oh my god that's just bananas, yeah right phyrexians but what i also this this episode made me really like proft because proft is willing yes. to bend the rules he is willing he just wants the truth and oh do i love me a detective who's willing to break the rules to find the truth i cannot wait to see more of this and see like where it goes from here same and alquist proft is a brand new character for magic for murders at carlisle manor and we're getting to see this character for the very first time and wow i love this character he's just like he, he it's almost like he was born to be an agent like yeah. it, you know like a detective agent it just it just fits him like a glove and he is i have no doubt that between kaya seeking vengeance now and mm-hmm. proft on it and 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 his brilliance definitely but definitely a brilliant detective and who's ezra's going to get determination like yeah they're gonna they've got to figure this out now yeah yeah like, I, I think they're going to I think they're going to solve this thing, but it's getting very convoluted, very, very complicated, very, very quickly. So and they have to work fast because who's next? Exactly. Exactly. People are dying here and it's now it's two. Is it going to be three? Is it going to be four? How long are they going to take to take catch this killer? Clearly targeting guild leaders, too. Yeah. So this is not good news. No, for Radnica. This is very bad. Well, y'all, our murder mystery continues in our next episode coming to you right around the corner. Remember, we're releasing the full audio narrations just before we drop our recap. So if you want to listen to both, you now can. And as always, you can also read the story for yourself at mtgstory.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we'll see you in our next episode. Until then, have have a magical magical day. day.